You are now listening to the Hunter's Advantage Podcast. Christian Babcock, the host of the Hunter's Advantage podcast. And what we do on the podcast is we talk to disruptive companies in the outdoor industry, talk about innovative hunting solutions that are changing the landscape, as well as offer you tips and strategy for more successful hunts. All in all, I just want to help you become a better hunter by providing you with high quality knowledge and information that you can trust. Stay tuned. All right, everybody. Thanks for coming back to another episode of the Hunter's Advantage podcast. Thanks for listening and watching, however you choose to consume it. Today, we're joined by Stephen Terry of Zinger Fletches. Oh, doing great. Doing great, man. Appreciate you having me on. Yeah, of course. So I think one of the places I wanted to start with the podcast was what is the role of a fletching play on an arrow? Because I think everybody shoots, everybody that shoots bows sees fletchings, understands fletchings a little bit, but doesn't really understand, you know, kind of what role they actually play on an arrow. Could you explain that for us? So basically the, the fletching is going to be what guides your arrow to the point that you're looking to go. So there's many different configurations of fletching that you can go with. You can go with, you know, one degree, three degree, two degree, four degree, six degree, um, different offsets, different helicals, um <clears throat> so yeah it's basically just you can customize everything to your exact setup and how you want to roll so we we're used to traditional fletchings you know people buying arrows they come with three short short three veins they buy them out of the box they're that way what's one of the what's some of the advantages or what was the problem that you were seeing in the market that want made you want to think about fletchings maybe through a different light so a lot of it had to do with um broadheads so okay with our fletching you can index them to your to your broadheads you can adjust them you can slide them you can move them you can move them up you can move them back most standard fletching you know it's come what comes on the arrow that's what you get you know whether whether you draw back and you're getting face contact you're either going to have to strip them all off and then refletch them to get where you need it to be or with zingers you can just slide them down a little bit move them back however you want it to fit your exact setup is ready to go so how did you how did you get started with building the product testing it those sorts of things that's kind of what i'm interested in okay um so that all started with my brother um so right now there's three of us in the company so it's me my brother brian and a buddy brandon um brian is the one that basically came up with the idea and we kind of fine-tuned it brandon and i and brian kind of got together and kind of came up to what we are right now um but it all started brother is a science teacher he done excuse me and uh had some students doing some projects and they were working on patents and how to basically design your own patents and what kind of features and benefits you needed for your patent. Mm -hmm. And he ended up, the students were messing around. So he was kind of guiding them in certain directions. And a lot of them were really interested in the hunting aspect. And so was he. Um, And they started doing projects based on the fletching 
um, started with uh, like an annular wing uh, fletching and basically had some, he had some nice prototypes from the kids and he, he kind of was teaching them and showing them like, Hey, why don't you, you know, look at this aspect of it or that aspect. And it all, uh, it all bloomed from there, you know? Um, yeah, he'd be, he'd be more so to go into that part, but he, yeah, him and Brandon were, were, uh, busy tonight, so they weren't able to join. Yeah, no, totally understand. So how did, are you a, are you just a bow hunter by, by nature? Do you, you start out bow hunter and how long you've been doing that? So I started bow hunting, I believe when I was about 10, mm-hmm. 10, uh, you know, I'd always go up, we'd, uh, take family trips to Wisconsin. Uh, my, uh, mom's side of the family grew up over there and, uh, yeah, they always did gun hunting over there, gun hunting, everything was gun yeah. hunting. Um, <clears throat> so we never really did much bow hunting until um my mom was remarried and he he was really a big bow hunter bow hunter and that's where we've learned most everything from is from my stepdad and uh yeah it's a blossom from there you know he uh he was a self-taught bow hunter um so it's been it's been awesome you know growing with him and him showing us everything and um basically we started gun hunting over there um and it was, I don't know if you've ever, uh, hunted in Wisconsin. Nope. Gun hunted. Oh my Mm-mm. goodness. Like um, a war zone. <laughs> it is. It is, uh, dude, it's, it's, you know, Michigan's huge for, for gun hunting and everything, but Wisconsin's another level. Um, yeah. just, I mean, it is a holiday. It is a absolute holiday. Kids like don't go to school. I mean, that, that's what it is. Hmm. Um, <clears throat> So going up gun hunting and everything was awesome. Um, growing up, you know, we'd stay with my grandparents and everybody old enough would go hunting and it just came to the point. It was like, all right, I want to go sit. So then they'd take me out and here, sit, sit here. All right, sit there and, you know, not see anything. It's like, dang it, you know? Um, but then, yeah, from there, it just bloomed to, uh, picking up, picking up a bow, you know, with my, with my stepdad and he, uh, showing us basically taking us out and to the rod and gun club, which was the archery club around us. And we'd go there every Sunday and shoot bows and lose about 20 arrows, find about 25 other arrows that weren't yours. And right. You know, and, uh, that's best basically where it came from. Yeah, no, I feel, I feel really bad for, uh, every fence that my parents had growing up because every panel and those fences were broken from <laughs> losing arrows. And then I'd find, uh, find arrows the next season that my neighbor finally mowed their yard and I'd find a bunch of my arrows. So I can totally relate to that. Yeah. That's funny. So have you guys done any, uh, any other ventures in the outdoor <laughs> industry before, uh, starting zinger or is it just this, the first one? So, <coughs> sorry. No problem. Um, the Zingers is basically our first product. Really? When did, yeah. When did, when did you guys get started doing it? Uh, last year, last year we, uh, <coughs> we came to market in April. Okay. So with a 1.0 model, um, we had 11 different colors. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, a TPU material. So still flexible. 
basically a little bit a little bit stiffer than the material we have now which is our, our 1.0 model was the first one um that one came in like i said 10 11 colors and um now we have the 2.0 model which is <clears throat> a lot more flexible um you know it can it can bend it can very flexible pull on it hard to break um comes back to shape and really grabs the shaft very well yeah so is it to me it looked like and i uh, listened to or watched a couple of reviews on your website it looks like 3d printed almost but they said it's a noticeably uh more flexible kind of a softer uh, material than you would traditionally think that's something that kind of looks 3d printed so what sure. what kind of material do you guys use to build them sure um the first material was the tpu um which was still flexible um but in colder temperatures it did get a little bit brittle uh, okay. so anything under 20 degrees uh we were noticing that you know if you stack arrows or smack uh I guess another field point into the back of one, you mm -hmm. would have some, <clears throat> some breaking issues. Um, but with our product, it is lifetime guarantee, you know, whether it's your fault or our fault, uh, we will replace it. Uh, with the 2.0 material, that is a much more flexible, much more durable. Uh, we have the parabolic fins, so it's got the rounded backs, okay. which definitely reduces the noise in flight. So, yeah, the, the 2.0s are definitely a step up from the 1.0s. Gotcha. No, that makes a lot of sense. So I think most people that are going to be thinking about traditional arrow fletchings is obviously fletching jig, glue, putting the fletching on the arrow. For people that are just listening to the podcast, can you give a brief description on kind of what a zinger fletching looks like and sort of how to install it on an arrow, how easy it is? Because I think that's one of the main advantages for the yeah yeah no for sure it's super super easy you could fletch an arrow in about three seconds um both of both of the 1.0 and 2.0 are both 3d printed um like like you were saying earlier you had read some of the reviews saying that the 2.0 is definitely finer lines so it almost looks like a molded product um the lines are very tight um <clears throat> and it just adheres a lot better um but as far as installation, so you're looking at a, it's one inch by half an inch fins. Mm -hmm. So you're basically have your arrow set down, leave the knock on, you grab two fins, whether it's the three fin or four fin, and you just pull it right on. And basically we, we have worked with one stringer wraps and they've created uh, some zinger wraps basically that have a line around it one inch back from the carbon end of carbon which that's where we found has the best flight mm -hmm. and gives you the most space for most people so you're not getting your face contact um so basically with the 2.0s we use hand sanitizer so like okay. a spray hand sanitizer so you spray it on there, slide it right on, get it to where you want. Um, and then that hand sanitizer just evaporates, dries up super nice. And that zinger is locked on there, especially so, with the wraps. Right. So what keeps the zinger from sliding off of the arrow on a traditional fletching? It's glue, right? What keeps it from coming off the back of the arrow, say, as you're shooting targets? And I would expect that it would actually come off the arrow 
as you're shooting game, right? Like you shoot a deer, it's like a marker for a point of contact, correct? Yes. So we designed it to pop off upon upon pass through, basically to mark where your shot impact was. Um, So essentially, if you've watched, I mean, there are other videos out there where basically we've done videos where you can just slide it right off. Um, but they're based on the outside diameter of your arrow. So every arrow, every spine has, most all of them have a different outside diameter, which some are easy to find. Some are much harder to find, but, um, we make them specifically in our 1.0 models, basically to match your outside diameter in our 2.0 models. Yeah, so you, we have five different sizes. The the 2.0s definitely stretch more. They really grab the arrow shaft, so it's all compression fit. No glue is needed. If you are wanting a more permanent fit, you could add a couple dabs of glue to the front of the front of the zinger if you did not want it to pop off upon pass through. But most of the time, it's going to pop off. Okay, so there is a way to rig it where you could get a full pass through and just find your arrow like like you traditionally would. Yes. So with our 2.0 model and the wraps, we have been seeing quite a few pass-throughs where they're staying on because they oh. grab they grab the wraps so well. Okay, I got you now. So so has there been any situations maybe this could be could have been a customer or you where you found it pretty beneficial to have that uh the fledgings actually come off and impact like where you might not have found it otherwise? you heard anything Um, like that i don't know about not finding it otherwise that yeah that's hard that's hard to say but sure um, i actually had a guy today tell me um that he had shot one this morning and he's like yeah it was it was awesome i was like oh sweet man you know did you get a pop-off and he's like oh absolutely he goes it marked it directly where i shot it he goes within uh two feet he goes i found blood Mm. i was like man that's awesome you know, and but you know, like I said, the 2.0s have been having a few uh, pass-throughs, so air, you know the fletching staying on straight through. Right, so. but they're designed in a way where when you're target shooting, they're not going to come off at all unless they encounter some sort of resistance while they're passing through something. Right. Correct. Yes, they will not. They will not fly off through through the middle middle of air without you know something hitting. Whether you know if they hit a limb or something, most of the time pretty much all the time they'll stay on it's just if they pass through something whether they go through your target through the grass a lot of times they'll pop off if you if you hit low below the target shoot under the target or whatnot yeah they will pop off then yeah i i've talked to some of my friends and kind of had mixed seen a lot of mixed feelings about popping off popping on and i think it's particularly i i could see it as being really valuable especially in uh, situations where it's hard to find arrows. Like I shoot black arrows. It's if you're not shooting at a lighting knock, it's, it's tough. We hunt in some places with seven foot tall grass. And yeah. if I can <clears throat> find a bright pink, bright green, bright white fletching on the ground, that's going to give me some piece of data where I can get started from. And you're For not sure. going to get that with a, a normal fletching. If you bury it into the freaking the ground. Yeah. Yep. Seen a lot, lot, lot of people that really do enjoy it popping off. So it's like, all right, that's my point of impact. That's where I start my blood trail. Right, exactly. So there's some terms that you use on the website that uh, I think are somewhat technical for the average person. You know, learning about fletchings like helical, like offset, like number of veins. 
could we maybe walk through each one of those separately and kind of explain those to a person that is normally used to just buying out of the box arrows with three fletchings and just kind of wondering where do I start with all this helical offset, all this other kind of stuff? Sure. Um, so most standard fletching is done in offset, like that you buy from a factory or whatever comes stock is, is normally offset in pretty much like a, I believe it's two degree, two or three okay. degree, um, is pretty much standard. Um, with ours being a little bit smaller, um, we recommend going with a higher offset. So like, that's why pretty much if you're shooting a fixed blade broadhead, we recommend going with the four fletch six degree. So our four fletch six degree gets basically the same, uh, spin rotation that you're going to see with your standard blazer three vein, uh, fletching system from standard arrows. So if you are confident in your setup, your form and bow tune, that it's all perfectly tuned, you have no problem going with a three-degree three, three degree offset. Um, no offset, you know, I mean, but in, in the hunting scenario, you know, I always set up for the worst. You know, right. whether whether you're you're torqued, you're you're leaning, you're you're hanging, you know, we saddle hunt, so you know it's hard to you never know what kind of angles you're gonna be you're gonna be dangling from. Right. Um, but as far as offsets, we just offer offsets. So we don't do any of the helical. Um helical is gonna give you a lot more spin than the offset. Um, which we just kind of found that it wasn't best for for the zingers um we tried them it just it it almost gave it like a parachute kind of kind of effect to it so that back end would would really be be burning and turning um but yeah so we we really we really have found that the three degree uh three fletch and the four fletch six degree is is our best setup for our 2.0s so what does the actual offset itself mean on the vein? What, what does it have to do with the orientation of how the vein sits on the arrow? So as you're looking down your arrow, when you say a three degree offset, so it is going to be three degrees to either the right or the left. So you can choose whichever offset you're looking for. And what a lot of people, I mean, some people, there's so many different things saying some, it, it matters. It doesn't matter right or yeah. left offset. Um, but if you are interested in trying to find it out, you can take a bear shaft, uh, put a, put a mark right at the end of your knock, stand three feet away from your target, draw back, shoot your, shoot your bear shaft and see which way that turns. That's going to tell you wh whether you want a right offset or left offset. Um, <clears throat> So yeah, you know, your right, your right offset's going to go, I guess it's backwards on this. So it's going to go this way. Um, so it's basically, if you're looking down the shaft, it's either going, when you're looking away from you, it's either going right or left. That's going to tell you right or left offset. Okay. So what, why is it that when you're bare shaft tuning an arrow, it, they might have a tendency to go left or a tendency to go right. Is it because the arrows aren't perfectly straight or what, what's the, why do you have to correct that at the vein level? on individual arrows 
Some or, say it's the arrow. Some say it's the bow, which naturally okay. cast. Um, whether some some say it could be the way that the string is strung, um, but most of the stuff comes from when traditional archers, you know, your finger shooting, so you're getting that twist going as mm. you're shooting. So that's where most of it came from, um, which carried over into the compounds. And that's where a lot of people are like, it doesn't really matter. Cause most, most fletching is going to correct it, you know, 20, 20 feet out, 10 feet. Right. Out. You know, it, it's your fletching is going to correct it. So you may see a little bit of this in the beginning, but then you're going to get that straight shooting. It was a little bit, a little bit of energy in the beginning. Okay. That makes sense to me. So if, if the steeper, the offset, so let's say three degree versus six degree, um, more of an offset is that going to create more drag um, in the arrows, or the same drag as a as a three degree offset? Um. So yes, traditionally yes, your your higher the offset is going to create more drag. With our fletching being a little bit smaller, the veins are smaller, uh, they're lighter. You're not going to get as much drag with our six flat or sorry, six degree, as you will, a standard three fletch, two degree. Because it's, because it's more compact. That's why, because, because it's smaller. Yeah. So you're going to get okay. the, about basically the same spin rate, mm-hmm. but it's, but it's smaller. So it's not having as much air to go through to, to pass over the veins to be able to, you know, that's causing the spin. Okay. I got you. <clears throat> so talking, just staying on the theme of a smaller uh, fletching, one of the things that I read on your website is that that smaller fletching allows you to have more FOC up front. Why does that matter for somebody that's bow hunting? So FOC is going to, well, what they consider front of center. Um, you're going to get a lot more kinetic energy behind to where it's going to pull your, pull your arrow through. So you're going to hit harder. You're going to, you're, you should technically get more pass throughs. Mm-hmm. Um, because of the kinetic energy that's coming through, um, as it impacts the animal, um, which lighter in the back, heavier up front is, I mean, there's a lot of studies out there. You know, you can look up the ranch ferry to really dive into a lot of the studies that he's been going. Um, you know, there's a lot of people that love and hate the dude. Um, right. But, you know, he's doing a lot of, a lot of great testing, um, whether you hate him or like him, I mean, the dude, he's, he's putting a lot of the science out there and some people believe it. Some people don't, but are you one of those guys that's shooting a 650 grain arrow? I am not. No. <laughs> what I, are you, what are you shooting? I last year, last year I shot a six. I did shoot a six sixty last year Ooh. and, um, I was 65 66 pound uh draw 20 29 inch draw um yeah it uh i shot three deer with it um had great success with it I all pass throughs uh yes yeah <laughs> i would hope so <laughs> yes um but no this year this year i went to i wanted to be a little bit more medium range where I could get a little more distance without as much drop off. Mm-hmm. You know, I was shooting probably 200 and gosh, probably 
240 feet per second, 235 maybe. That's zooming. (laughs) Um, And now, you know, with this setup, I'm probably 280, 285. Um, Mm -hmm. So I'm shooting five. I think I'm 5.18 right now. 518 grains. Um, Which which I have found to be my happy medium right now, but I'm shooting 70 pounds right now. Um, and with that arrow setup, we did, we, we shot a lot of, uh, I guess targets this, mm-hmm. this spring. Uh, we did a lot of the AT, not AT, but, uh, tack. We did some tack and, uh, the R 100 and shooting a lot of foam setups and so my brother was shooting a 690 grain setup and my 518 grain i was getting quite a bit more penetration than him which was i we were both like man i have a micro diameter so it was i think that could be a lot of it too but yeah i'm just i have found that the five right around anywhere from i think 480 to 5 530 is a, is a great setup for distance, you know, the amount of energy that you need and just knock down power blow through. That's what I'm looking for. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm so I shot like a 400 grain arrow for the longest time. And then the last three years I've moved up to a 525, uh, five millimeter axis FMJ mm-hmm. or Easton. Yeah. Um, and I've out of my old bow, I was getting, around 280 fps 70 pound uh draw weight and 30 inch draw but i noticed when i shot when i got to a bow that was a little slower from shooting a prime this year i was only getting like 260 and it and it actually dropped my range on my sight wheel from 87 was my max all the way down to like 60 and yeah which is which is fine for any of the whitetail hunting that i'm doing but i'm definitely I'm thinking about actually running two different arrow setups next year. One for like Western stuff like antelope or maybe mule deer or something yeah. 450 to 480 range and then running that 525 for my whitetail setup. But heavy arrows are awesome. I've had no issues with pass throughs, but it took so much range off of my sight tape just to to go yeah. to those heavier arrows. And that's it's it, that for a lot of people is a hard pill to swallow is the well, I can't reach out and, sh- you know, shoot 85 or 90 yards. But, you know, like you're saying, when you're whitetail hunting, when do you really, you know, when are you going to really take that shot? But, yeah, if you are wanting to head out west and do some of those, I mean, yeah, you you want to be able to reach out and touch something then because that's most of your shots is, you know, 40 to, 40 to 70 or 40 to 80 yards. Yeah, we went antelope hunting in 2019. Uh, out in the panhandle of Oklahoma and we'd get them to like 70 yards so consistently. And I had a, at the time I had a fixed five pin sight and I was like, man, I just need 20 more yards. And I yeah. can finally take a <laughs> shot. And I was like, but the grass is only three inches tall. So I'm like, I'm never going to get that close to them. So right. that's what inspired me to go to a, a single pin site. And then, yeah, mostly it's just a single pin site so I can get way more range out of it. But then I went to those heavy arrows and it kind of, just uh shove me back down i need to have two setups i think right yeah the the 518 that i have right now i shot a doe two weeks ago and she came in i'm saddle hunting so you know came in on my weak side so i'm 
dangling off the tree like this. Mm -hmm. She comes in 20 yards and I shot her directly through the shoulder. I was only about 10 feet up because that was where my cover was. So I went through both shoulders, blew through both shoulders, broke her first one, and then went through, I guess, her leg on the other one Ooh. and stuck in the ground on the other side. <laughs> I was like, I, when I, I walked up and I was like, man, that was that was awesome. <laughs> I mean, that's what you want. You know, she did it. She did a loop around, probably ran 40 yards and piled up. You know, I walked up, we were trailing, doing the blood trail and, uh, ended up finding like chunks of the, of her shoulder bone Ooh. in the track. I was like, man, I haven't, I haven't hit one that hard in a while, but <clears throat> yeah, the, the annihilator broadheads, man. Fixed blade. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, it was a fleet three. I, you've have you ever seen them? Yeah, yeah. They're uh, it was cool. <laughs> it was cool. Yeah, like, pick it up, and I mean, there wasn't a nick, ding, burr on that broadhead. It was, it felt like it was ready to go again. Mm. But, I've seen a lot of people moving more towards like fixed blade recently, especially with like Annihilator, Iron Will, those those companies. I had a buddy last year shoot an iron wheel through a shoulder and i guess he was angled at a weird angle and it cut her leg in half like oh straight through the bone on the other side and i was just like man it's hard to argue with that like i'm, <laughs> I'm not gonna do that with a schwacker you know or a rage right. that's not gonna happen <laughs> yeah i shot you know mechanicals for the longest time last year i did the the magnus uh black hornet serrazers the four blade and uh those were, I, I like those. Those were, those were real nice broadheads. Um, and then, you know, I've always wanted to try the annihilators, you know, for the past two years. And so, uh, ended up trying those this year and, um, the blood trail wasn't what I thought it was going to be. Mm -hmm. It wasn't, it wasn't that great. Um, but then again, it only went 40 yards. So, you know, <laughs> I'll take that. Off. Um, but yeah, it could have just been where I shot her, you know, just the amount of blood that's in the, you know, in the shoulder and whatnot. But yeah, I shot fixed blade, like four blade muzzies or three blade muzzies for the longest time, mainly because I was like 14 years old and didn't have any money. Yeah, but um, <laughs> I, I, uh, I could never get those those freaking broadheads to tune right out of my bow. Like I'd be shooting my fill points um, all summer. Perfect. Go to put. And I didn't even have like a foam target. So I had to like waste a broadhead shooting it into my $10 bag that I had. And so I was like, <laughs> I hope this is right. And it'd be six inches left and, and 10 inches low. I'm like, what is going on? So I'd have to unscrew the broadhead, leave it in the target, get another one. I wasted like a whole pack just trying, oh my goodness. <laughs> trying to tune those. But I, I moved to, I've kind of kicked back and forth, fixed and mechanical, fixed and mechanical. And I've just come back to if, if they shoot straight and if they, I think you're back. Did I lose you for a second? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was saying, I, I got to the point, I went back and forth on fixed and mechanicals, and I just kind of came to a point where if they shoot straight and you make a good shot, they they all work, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. It's all about placement. It's all about placement. How long have you been a, a saddle hunter? I, I, I just asked that because I literally took my first weekend in a saddle last weekend, set for about 15 hours. How long have you been doing the saddle game? Uh, I have been doing saddle hunting for, oh gosh, it's been about seven years. 
Ooh. So yeah, you're, you're a veteran uh, in that in that term. It's come so far, so far since since I first started. You know, and my brother Brian is the one that got me into it, and I'm like, man, you're crazy. You know, when he first came to me, he's like, man, you gotta try this. Yeah. And I put that thing on, and I was like, I, honestly, I was like, you're an idiot. Like, what is? This? <laughs> I was like, this is dumb. You know, and uh, he's like, no, you know, you really gotta give it a try. You know, so we started messing around with it, and. Yeah, since then it was like, all right, yeah, I can get a hold on this. You know, you're you're basically you're secured to the tree the entire time. It's so much safer than what mm-hmm. we were doing. You know, the kind of stupid stuff with, you know, going up the tree without any harnesses or anything, and you know, to you wouldn't clip in until you got to the top, and you know, so now it's I I feel so much safer. You know, my wife is much happier now. <laughs> that, <laughs> that, you know that I'm clipped in the entire time and. uh but yeah, the the amount of comfort compared to what it used to be, it's so much better. The competition and everything with the saddle and uh, saddle companies and everything is awesome. What did you do seven years ago? What did it look like back then? Um, so then it was basically just uh, grade eight bolts and drilling into a tree. Stick your grade eight bolt in and go up the tree. Mm. Um and then I had a, gosh, what was it called? I still have it. It's a tree tree suit is what it was called, was the saddle. It was called a tree suit. Um, basically a board, but it's like a, almost like a cutting board material with a strap that went through the bottom of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you sat on that uh cutting board essentially and with the bridge still had the bridge and everything it was a big old d metal loop clip into that and yeah it was it wasn't it wasn't horribly uncomfortable it was basically just sitting on a board um you know a swing if you will um but yeah some of the new saddles nowadays have they they wait (laughs) they blow those out of the water right it's been cool because I've, I haven't got to, I've been, haven't been too deep in the saddle game. I've kind of was opposed to it even, uh, because I was, I don't know. I'd spent a lot of money on like lightweight hang-ons. I'm like, no, this is the way. And then I was like, I have so much, I might as well run a saddle. I literally have no platform on this little bitty lightweight hang-on and I might as well run a saddle. So one of my buddies last weekend or two weekends ago, let me try He let me sit in his cruiser and, which I heard I've heard as a really comfortable saddle relative uh, to the ones in the market. And, Oh, it's so nice. Yeah. I went and bought one immediately. I had to, that is, that's the one. Yeah. That's one of the ones that I have not tried. Really? I've pretty much tried every single one out there besides the cruiser. And I've heard the cruisers are great. <clears throat> what are you running right now? Your, uh, your whole setup latitude, uh, the method two and then the it's the two panel the two panel one and, oh, okay um i have a tx5 the reaper and both those are pretty awesome <laughs> yeah that's cool what platform are you running what's that what platform are you running uh the edp trophy line okay gotcha so did the did the predator which the predator is awesome 
I mean, that was groundbreaking when it first came out, and it still is one of the best ones out there. Like I, I still have mine, um, but I just like I like the the grips and everything on the EDP and their cutouts. I mean, it was very well thought out. So, but yeah, yeah, that's cool. I mean, I've had a so I don't know. Have you heard of Out on a Limb Manufacturing? Yeah. Yes. I, I've dealt quite a bit with Matt. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Matt's a good dude. That's cool. Yeah. Matt's actually one of my, one of my good buddies. I went to, I went to school at Oklahoma state in Stillwater and his company's like an hour outside of Stillwater and Enid. And I've got to see him create all those cool products he has now. Yeah. I got a, I got a platform and I'm running that now in the shikar sticks and man, the packability of a saddle, relative to like a tree stand and all those other things just insane that you can wear it in and i can get it set up i haven't even used it but one weekend and i can get it set up in 10 12 minutes be fully up in the tree tethered in it's a game changer even my buddies that are sold on climbing uh, climbers or hang on tree stands they're like i I gotta get one of these but it's an it's it's an investment to get a saddle oh my god i'll say (laughs) yeah it's uh man it's it's salty now uh, but his his shikars are, dude. I love those sticks. I have the mm-hmm. seventeen, the fixed seventeens. Yeah. Those are awesome. They're <laughs> I, so I cool. Freaking love them. <laughs> they bite in the tree. Like I've got some buddies that have those hawk sticks, and they're like holding it as they're going around the tree. I just walk up, smack that thing. It's the tree. Yeah. I'm like, it's there. And I'm just, dude, I'm good. Yeah, then it's like coming down. It's like I'm sitting there trying to take it down, and I'm like doing mm-hmm. this trying to break it loose after i've already taken my ropes and everything off and like trying yeah. to pull the thing off yeah they i have they to grab be like crazy i have to be safe when i'm unpacking them from my bag because they're so freaking sharp like i've almost <laughs> cut myself on them. i'm like gosh right this thing, these things hurt they're like ripping into my bag a little bit i'm like i guess this is a good problem to have yeah so where do you live now what, where are you guys uh, based out here, of I, I live in michigan so i'm in okay. southwest michigan Gotcha. What, uh, what hunts you got planned uh, for this upcoming year? Is it bow season or deer season right now for you guys? Yep. Yep. We, uh, you know, we've been hunting since I think the 17th was our opener in Wisconsin. So you made the trip up there. Um, my wife shot a doe and then my brother also shot a doe. Uh, then we came back to Michigan. Michigan opened on the 1st of October uh shot i shot my doe i guess it was last week i think at the eighth eighth or ninth um no yeah it was the eighth um so trips coming up i am really disappointed right now because we are not i'm not gonna be able to hunt like this first cold front that we have coming through right now oh no um so i won't be able to hunt until next week sometime um but we plan on heading back to Wisconsin probably next weekend. Um, then I have a full week off in Wisconsin that first week in November. So that's what that's what I look forward to every year. You know, kind of it, it changes within a few days, but it's usually right around Halloween that we we head up there and we get a week off over there and usually knock down a few bucks. So there you go. Are you doing mostly private or public or what? Uh, we have like I was telling you earlier, you know, we have my, uh, my mom's farm that she grew up on. They have, a between her and her, uh, brother and sister, we have 200 and 220 acres. So 
it's a good little trek there. Um, there's some good public land around there too. So we'll bounce around, try not to try not to abuse one spot too much. And, uh, yeah, the, cause there's gosh, it's me, my wife, my brother, my mom, my dad, and we usually have one other person that comes with us too. So each year, so it's, uh, it's a lot of area, but that's a lot of people in there, uh, during a hunting season to yeah. really push deer around. Yeah, that's for sure. That sucks. You can't hunt this weekend. I don't know if we're talking about the same, if we're getting the same cold front coming through, but I live in North Texas, but I hunt almost exclusively in Oklahoma and we hunted, we hunted the first two weekends. First weekend was like 75 of high. And then this last weekend was like 92. <laughs> and now we're getting to the seventies and lows of like low, low forties. Yeah. So after being like hot lows of 70, so I'm, Ooh, it's going to be, a, it's going to be a good weekend. Hopefully. Oh man. It's what you, it's what you wait for. And that's kind of what I was telling my wife, you know, we got birthday parties and, you know, pumpkin carving and everything, getting that all, <laughs> all that going. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's, I mean, this is what you live for is when these, uh, cold fronts come in, especially, yeah, like it's been in the eighties around here. And, you know, when you get the highs around 60 and, you know, you get that 20 degree, 20 degree drop in, in, in highs. I mean, that's when it's like, all right, I'm getting excited now, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah. It almost feels criminal to be sitting at home. That's funny you <laughs> yeah. say that. I was, I was literally talking to my wife. I was supposed to leave uh, Friday after work and I was telling her, I was like, I'm just going to have to leave Thursday. She's like, why? I'm like, you just don't understand. Like I'm already like 30% of the way through my season. I was like, I, I got to, I just have to. She's like, I don't want you to. I'm like, I, I know but I have yeah. to. Yeah. I'm sorry. One <laughs> <laughs> of those things. Uh, this weather's been, it's been crappy for hunting. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody, everybody that doesn't hunt, it's like, man, I love this weather. It's like, yeah, oh, still summer. Sucks. <laughs> sucks. Yeah, man. It's terrible. If people are interested in checking you guys out on social or maybe getting some fletchings off your website, where, where can they do that? What are those places? So you can find us on Facebook at Zinger Fletches. Um, we have a Zinger Slingers page. Um, it's a group. Um, you can look us up on zingerfletches.com to do your purchases. Um, if you want to see any videos, you can look them up on YouTube. Just search Zinger Fletches. People got some reviews on there. Um, yeah, and we look to be uploading some videos here shortly of some of the hunts we've done. So, okay. That'll be on your YouTube channel. Yeah. Our YouTube channel is bow hunting fever. Okay. Um, so yeah, we'll be, uh, throwing some videos up on there shortly. Well, that sounds good. Uh, I appreciate you getting together and talking. I'm looking forward to trying some of the fletchings actually, um, on some of my setup. I have a bunch of arrows that are completely unfletched, so it'll be a perfect perfect time to try that. Heck yeah. Well, cool, man. I think thanks for coming on. Hey guys, thank you so much for consuming the Hunter's Advantage podcast. We really appreciate it. And we really do do the podcast for you all. And just to stay in tune with that and what you guys want to hear, feel free to message us on Facebook or Instagram on who you would like to see on the podcast next.